Beauty of the Wheel. On later, our Ask a Path guest is Rachel Walker. But first, I'm just going to have a quick review of the summer so far. I think my first question is, what's happened to it? As you know, we had our Land Under the Waves camp, and it was a great success in terms of how people reacted. Despite the awful weather, people seemed to thoroughly enjoy themselves, and practically all have said how much they're looking forward to the next one. But we had pouring rain on Saturday and even high winds at night. But the good company made up for it. As someone said, the warmth of the people there made up for the sun. During the day we held a variety of workshops and in the evening we had a block which I thoroughly enjoyed. I've never been to one before and that was followed by some light feasting and music courtesy of Sheila and Ian Cundy. However, as you can probably tell, it's the whole weekend has left me with a cold which I've still got. This weekend just gone, I went to Wales with a friend for the first Obod Bardic Gorsev. And it was a really enjoyable time meeting other bards all doing the course. And we had to come up with a contribution to a ritual. And it's not often I get to be with other druids in any great number, so it was a great experience. And we really enjoyed listening to Christopher Hughes talking to us about Keridwin and the Arwen. In the evening we listened to a nice Steadford of people's poetry and song. I've got no camps now in September and that's when I go to the Mercian Gathering. And I'm really hoping that we'll get some good weather for that. Even the little seed group that I belong to, we should have had our lunacy ritual in the woods on Saturday. And unfortunately, we were completely washed out. So we ended up having a watch party for the Obod official ritual. That was lovely. And we stayed dry. And this week, on our Ask a Path segment, our guest is Rachel Walker, who is a writer, belly dancer, and a creatrix of the Wolf Woman Rising Wisdom School and Under the Dancing Tree Dance School. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. First question is, can you tell us a bit about your particular pagan path? Mm, of course. So I always find these things very hard to put into words because it's something that's so internal. Um, obviously, it manifests in an external way in, in the way that you create ritual and the way that you connect, connect to particular deities. But my roots are really kind of in my in my homeland and in my ancestry so I'm Welsh I live in Wales and my ancestors go back to Wales you know like since the beginning of time <laughs> even before this land was occupied somehow they were here you know so there's kind of this druid you know in my bones and um, in my blood um, that goes way back and I have a long line of bards as well going through my mother's side so for me kind of my my roots and my my depths are deep in the Welsh landscape and the Welsh landscape's always inspired in me a deep connection and a love for nature. So nature is where I find um, the divine. So God, goddess, whatever you want to call her um, or him, I find the divine there and that's where I connect as well. So whether I'm dancing, singing, writing, 
it's you know it's in union and communion and in remembrance and in celebration of nature you know the the waterfalls and the sea and the trees I mean I'm, I'm pretty convinced that at some point I must have been a tree nymph that's the only way of explaining everything that <laughs> everything that I am and that I do um but yeah so I don't I wouldn't say that I kind of that I follow a particular path you know like I I'm I really jar with labels like and, you know, and someone, you know, someone said, are you this? And I go, yes, I'm that, but I'm so much more as well. You know, I, I can't fit into any particular space. And I think that labels actually can create a box sometimes. Yes, they can create belonging, a sense of belonging, a sense of identity, but also they can be confining. So, yeah, my pagan path, well, I'm, I am devoted to Athena Minerva. So she is my, my principal goddess, but at the same time, I work with so many, probably the divine feminine in particular, but I was also raised a Christian and I adore Christ, you know, like his message of love is so powerful. Like we need his love. So I kind of very open to to most things. I think whatever resonates for you at the time and whoever supports you at the time, whatever path, whatever way, whatever person, I think you just need to honor that and be in integrity. So <laughs> bit of a long answer, but yeah <laughs> no not at all it's great thank you now you've created wolf woman rising could you mm. explain what that is about please yeah so wolf woman rising is my wisdom school so it's a platform really for all of the work that i do whether that be through my writing so i'm an author um, of books and also through my teachings and my courses as well and the Wolf Woman Rising is really a container for people to access my work and the wisdom that I'm channeling through. And the three guiding principles really for Wolf Woman Rising um, are trust, authenticity and courage. So they're the three things that I think is truly important to, to bring forth, to embody um, and to empower. And then the way that we access them is through embodied mythology. So History is one of my great loves. I have a degree and a master's um, in history and, and heritage. So embodied mythology, exploring the ancient myths, but making them yours. You know, how are they yours? How is it also your myth and your story? I also work with flower essences. Um, so I am a flower essence consultant and I, I heal people or enable them to heal themselves with flower essences. And then also there is the dancing, <laughs> which links in with my other school <laughs> yes i was going to ask you also created under the dancing tree mm. uh, a school of dancing and healing mm. and could you tell us what inspired you to do that mm, of course so i've been teaching for 17 years now so the very first way that i began teaching was through belly dance so i actually started um, teaching belly dance when i was 16 um, and I started teaching after school. I found it very, very young. And it was one of those pivotal moments, you know, like when you have a destiny moment. And I remember at the time that um, I was a really shy and quiet, uh, reserved child. And I was I was bullied quite a lot for that. And that bullying kind of brought me into a place, you know, where I was unsure of my body, maybe ashamed of my body. It felt perhaps a little bit wrong or scary or vulnerable to be a woman. And at that time, I found belly dancing and belly dancing reminded me that it was 
wonderful to be a woman, you know, that my body was sacred and beautiful and that it could be sensual. It could be all of those things for me as well, for no one else. So it's not a performance. And I knew I had to share that. So um, at 16, I kind of made my mom take me uh, across the country to belly dance training. And then I started traveling all over the world to train in belly dance and then various different forms of dance as well. So teaching, uh, I teach Hawaiian hula, um, you know, Polynesian dances. I also teach sacred dances as well, you know, dance meditations. And it just inspires me every single time I teach, like, just for a weekly technique class, you know, where there's no, like, healing intention, women just, something awakens in them. I mean, moving their body in a sensual, yeah, even sexy way, you know, for them, they just, they learn about their body in a way that's really celebratory and really positive. And they they see how wonderful their body is, how it can move and how these moves are made for it. Um, And that's just a normal technique class. So when you go there with intention and bring healing intention and awakening intention to that, it just can completely transform your life. And I love that we were discussing before you about how how it really celebrates curvy women and how curvy women just look look amazing doing it. And it's really, although men do dance, of course, you know, men dance in in the Polynesian dance and the Middle East and everybody dances there as, as a celebration of life. But I think the female form is particularly celebrated by the dance forms. And that's truly important, you know, that it doesn't, it's not objectified. It's also not hidden or shamed or has conditions upon it, but it's able to be free and to be, to be all that it is. (laughs) So that's why for the dancing, (laughs) I could talk about it for hours. (laughs) I think you've already touched on it in that answer, but, I suppose it's a case of asking you to go a bit deeper in it because I think dance, particularly probably body dancing or that sort of dancing is a good way to connect up to our bodies. And mm. we're often quite disconnected from them. And could you explain or go a bit deeper into the benefits of becoming more connected to our body? Mm, definitely. So I think that... As women, you know, there's been a very long time now of, of women's bodies being made wrong. And society can can make them wrong and, and we can make them wrong. Um, but not also just wrong, but also fitting them into boxes, you know, the way it should look, the shoulds and the that were placed upon us. And I think this kind of, we start to kind of look at our body from the outside in. So we're observing our body rather than being and living in our body and living from the inside out. I mean, I firstly found and my students found that belly dancing is a really good way to come right into your body. So especially when we're doing not just belly dancing, but all the other dances, you know, when you you come into this place where you're, you're dancing from inside, there's a liberation that comes when you're not thinking about how your body looks to other people or how it should look to other people how you want it to look you're offering your body permission to be free and that's a real gift and and it's so important because we are we are here in a human body you know we're not here as a tree nymph (laughs) we're not we haven't chosen to manifest in in any other way or form in this lifetime we've chosen to come as a human body we are experiencing everything we do 
even when we you know transcend a little bit going to trances we still experience it in a body and our bodies are completely unique we've chosen the way it looks the way it feels the experience is going to have the way it speaks the way it sounds the way it smells and all of that is ours and ours alone that doesn't belong to anybody else that is ours to claim and it's ours to enjoy you know nobody else can access that it's almost our responsibility but it's also our joy to to immerse ourselves in that and to yeah truly make it ours and claim it as ours and I think yeah dance is a is a wonderful kind of a way of doing that yes I see I think we take our bodies for granted or when they go wrong we become disconnected and it's it's difficult to I suppose to get connected again or Mm. that makes no sense but no it does it does i think i it's one of these um you know it's a really interesting thing is i had a discussion with somebody the other day because they were they were really freaking out because they'd been stung by a nettle and i love nettles and this this friend of mine thinks it really weird that i love being stung by nettles and they were like but nettles really hurt this really really hurts i was like but does it actually feel that nettle sting like that nettle sting is tingling there's actually a pleasure to that um that nettle sting and actually it's not it's that communion between you and that plant that you're having that moment of connection actually we've been told and we've been conditioned to make that nettle sting wrong so even without even considering whether it does actually hurt we already think it hurts and it's painful I think the same thing can happen like with our bodies like we're like oh we just oh it's so wrong or oh it's hurting again or you know you blame the body like oh, I hate your body like why are you doing this or oh my foot's just hurting or oh it's just it's sick again and you know what about if we started kind of changing our relationship with our bodies and saying okay body do you hurt like what do you need like what are you trying to tell me what communion is happening here opening up to to conversation you know what is it asking for like if we have a headache we're so used to just taking a pill popping a pill making it go away well what is that headache trying to say to us it's a message it's our it's our body trying to talk to us and say like something even needs to change or you need to take an action you know it's the only way of the body that can communicate with us is by giving us signals yeah, we just, I think sometimes it can be difficult, you know, especially people that are in permanent pain or got a long-term deep-seated, um, you know, perhaps shame about their body, but talking to it, just opening communion, seeing what else is possible, you know, even if there is pain, how can you, how can you treat that as, as a, as a gift between you and your body? So you've got the two schools, is there a relationship between the two? Mm, so, yeah, so Wolf Woman Rising is is really for my wisdom work. So I mean, it's primarily, primarily founded, you know, for the people that are interested in my books and what I'm showing about embodied mythology. So that's more, you know, if you're into mythology and, and goddess and, and her her wisdom. And then the dance school is very much for those that want embodiment practices that are more about movement, that are more about accessing the particular tools of dance. I suppose that I'm the bridge, I'm the link between the two. And I know that sounds really obvious. 
Um, <laughs> but I kind of offer the two because some people kind of like to move. And I would say that probably under the dancing trees, I aim that more at women. So it's more about female community, whereas Wolf Woman Rising, although I call it Wolf Woman Rising, is open to, to all. So men, women as well, because it's more about the, the mythology bit. A lot of my students, they kind of, I have some that kind of come to both and about part of both communities. And then I have some that just like the dance in particular. And then it's some that prefer just the mythology and goddess. So it's really what resonates for you and how you access, you know, uh, your vibe and your joy is the, it's up to the students. They can choose which one. (laughs) It seems that the wolf is especially significant to you. What draws you to the wolf? Again, this is something I could talk about for hours. I mean, hence why I've written books about it. (laughs) So, yeah, so I I mean, my my first two books, um, and I think I'm just going to share just a bit about them because they explain the why. They kind of, so the first book is about Lupa, the she-wolf of Rome, and she's a guide that I particularly connect to, and I, I feel that she really needs to be known more about and connected to. And then my second book um, is Wolf, How to Embody Your your Inner Wolf. So Lupa for me is kind of, yeah, she needs to be remembered. I mean, she's a she's a, a deity that is connected to the foundation story of Rome. When you read the story of Romulus and Remus, which is the first place that I found her, and I remember reading the story and, and there was this she-wolf that supposedly just appeared, you know, completely coincidence, picked up two babies that were lost and then took them into her cave and then suddenly they became kings. And to me, that was so obvious that that was the goddess at work. Like, she wasn't just a wolf. Like, she was an epiphany of the goddess. And then when I went, I started to learn more about her story, about the she-wolf. And for me, she really resonated so deeply. Oh, it's a beautiful bird just at my window. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just got distracted. Yeah, so she took these two children into her cave, you know, at a time when they were feeling vulnerable, they were feeling scared. They were babies that were people were trying to murder. And she took them into the cave and they had this transformation, this experience, this initiation with her. And, you know, and they came out ready to be the kings and the founders of Rome. And for me, like I saw in her story and I felt like I remembered her presence, you know, that all the times that I'd been in pain and that I'd, I'd suffered and gone through real hardship. And there's been a lot of shit in my life, to put it quite frankly. Um, and all those times I felt like every single time was initiation to bring forth a she-wolf in me. You know, the she-wolf that just won't won't stand for being abused or misused or misunderstood or taken advantage of and the wolf like the she-wolf for me she is really powerful I know my second book I explore kind of all of the wolf deities because there are many um you know in their mythologies but also living wolves because they also also provide a a true example for us and in in that I explore you know not just the she-wolf but um, all wolves that are part of the pack and the the principles of the she-wolf of the mother wolf but also of the whole pack I think are truly not just resonant for me but for all humans I think there's something that we can learn from wolf 
about the way that they are powerful. I mean, there's no denying they're a predator. They can, um, they have, you know, strength and they have that ability to kill, destroy, but also that ability to bring forth life. They're incredibly nurturing. They have strong family principles. They support, you know, the weak and the young and the old, and they live together harmoniously. They um, are able to be authentic. They contribute their gifts. And I think that's much needed in society now that, that, I, that idea for me wolf really also embodies the idea of paradox because of that so the fact that they are predator yet they're also mother you know they are gentle they are actually incredibly shy um you know but they are i suppose like women as well you know they've been very much persecuted made wrong made bad made ugly and part of me connecting with Wolf and bringing her forth in my work and my business and my school and my books is about this reclaiming not just of, of Wolf as not bad, as not wrong, but as a valuable ally. Is There's also a reclaiming of woman as well as also not bad, ugly or wrong, but as as powerful and nurturing. We are the paradox. And when we embrace that, we can be all of us, you know, the light and the shadow. What future projects then have you got coming up? Mm, so for me at the moment, I'm I'm deep in the writing, a writing phase again. Loop is out this autumn and then I have Wolf is out um, next uh, summer. And then there's, I'm currently writing two other books. <laughs> and then there's, so those are my, my primary projects. So the, the book's coming forth, but also, you know, events around the country you can find me I pop up all over the place <laughs> yeah so there's there's lots of events going on as well but most of the books are my main project yeah and I can't reveal too much too soon <laughs> oh, <that's a> <laughs> not in the next ones anyway <laughs> my final question is can you recommend a book or books to our listeners Maybe ones that are particularly significant to you on your path. Mm. Well, I like to recommend my own books. <laughs> mm. But yeah, because um, I probably can't recommend my own books, but, you know, I think they're pretty awesome. <laughs> Let's think. Books that have made a difference to me. You know what? I think that... I mean, I love books. I'm absolutely obsessed with books and I read so many books that, you know, I'm literally surrounded. I mean, if you could see my bedroom now, like I'm absolutely like there's piles of books. I can I can't move anywhere. But when people ask me this, I, I've been asked this a few questions a few times actually about like which books are most powerful. I actually think, you know, what what for me has been more pivotable pivotable. That's it does make up that word. More important, and this is probably turning your your question on its head, but my students have actually, and the words that they've shared with me is, have always been more powerful and insightful than, than any book that I've ever read. And I say this because, like, when my students share, whether it's after a workshop or whether it's in our community group, you know, they're, they're sharing from a place that's so vulnerable and so open so authentic and so full of integrity and bravery like the courage when a woman can come forth and and share what is making her burn you know what's making her hurt or what's making her 
joyful I think that you can't even that I don't think you can put it into a book or you could put it into like written words and I think there's something about I love like I said I love books but I think there's something about the spoken word in community and in sisterhood that has that extra level that when you're supporting you're seen and you're heard so I couldn't name any one book I think that's had a huge impact on me apart from like I'm really into like raunchy regency things <laughs> like a sexy regency book maybe that inspires me <laughs> but yeah so I think rather than any book having inspired me it's my students again and again and again like they just they inspire me more than anything I've ever read <laughs> thank you it's been so interesting I think just to hear about the range of healing modalities that you do deal with in helping people come into terms with themselves and their bodies mm-hmm. and I look forward to seeing the books the ones you could tell me about, the ones you can't in the near future. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) And thank you so much for having me here as well. I really appreciate your presence and your questions (laughs) and your wonderful podcast. (laughs) How's your summer been going? Have you been to any camps? I hope you had great weather wherever you were. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I'm going to be taking a break for a month and I hope you see you back here in the autumn. Have a great summer. Bye.